listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For today's episode, I had the honor of interviewing Dave Combs. Dave is a musician and songwriter who is best known for his instrumental piece, Rachel's Song, and he is also the author of the book, Touched by the Music. I'm here with Dave Combs, who is a musician, songwriter, and the author of the book, Touched by the Music. Dave, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Aaron, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and going to look forward to our discussion today. Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, let's see. Where shall I start? Um... I'm Dave Combs. I was I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was born and raised in uh, East Tennessee, a little mountain town in Upper East Tennessee called Irwin, and uh, born in the, the the hills of Tennessee to a, gr- a family that loved music. And actually, I guess you would say probably the community and maybe the whole state loves music because as you know Aaron Nashville Tennessee is called Music City USA and I think uh, just about everybody uh, that's a popular uh, star these days from East Tennessee is probably either a country music star or somebody like Dolly Parton or you know the those kind of folks so music and East Tennessee kind of kind of go together well, that's where I my roots are are there and up that in southwestern Virginia. My mother and father both played the piano and my grandmother Combs, she was a wonderful musician. She was born in 1894 and uh, and she played, she could play by ear. She played an, an old auto, auto harp, which is an, instru- an old-timey instrument that was made popular by Mother Maybelle Carter, which was Johnny Cash's mother-in-law. And uh, so my Granny Combs loved to play the auto harp and the old pump organ, which was a, an instrument they used, to, an organ before electricity. You pumped the air through the organ with your feet through the bellows. And so, but she was a wonderful musician. I remember going to her house and she would hand me her auto harp and say, David, she called me David. She said, would you tune up my auto harp? I said, sure, Granny, I will. So she'd, I'd sit there and I'd tune it up real good so it sounded good and hand it back to her. And Aaron, she could just tire loose on that thing. I still hear, hear her singing, you know, Amazing Grace or all those great, old, wonderful old hymns that she loved to sing. So I grew up around music all my life. And, uh, and when I graduated from college with my math and physics degree, I had I had practiced music. I still did music. You know, I was volunteer in the university choir at college, and I was my home church in the choir. Actually, they had me as a choir director for the last two two years of my college. I directed my home church choir, so that music was still part of my life. And I started my my technical my career in the technical world with a company called Western Electric, which was a subsidiary of the old Bell system, which was the the telephone system for the entire country. And today, you know most of it as AT&T, as kind of the company that, the name that has at least uh, persisted over the years. So I worked for 22 and a half years with that company in in technology. my, My career was in computer. I was a computer IT person. I program computers and IT was my life and I still love technology it's it's great and of course technology and music really go hand in hand because as you know 
music has really benefited from the advances in technology from uh, the personal computer and now in our laptop computers almost everybody has a super high quality recording studio built right into your computer and uh, so anybody can just about make a, a recording or do a high quality multi-track recording today with their laptop computers what used to take $200,000 worth of studio equipment in a big expensive studio. So we've advanced on that, but, uh, but my music has really started from, like I said, from my beginning days in East Tennessee. And then when I was 30, almost 34 years old, I was 33, almost 34, when I sat down at my piano and played a tune. Now, you know, I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of songwriters or, you know, people whose songwriting is their, their bread and butter, their career. I think you're the first person who I've interviewed was a songwriter. I've interviewed a lot of book authors and people in the book publishing industry. Okay, well, in my case, uh, I was, you know, I was, my career was technology with AT&T. That was my job. But when I would come home in the evenings, Aaron, I, I don't know what your hobbies are, but mine was always playing. I love to play the piano. That was my, my way of relaxing. When I'd get home from a busy day at the office, I'd go to sit down at my piano and I'd just play something. I'd either make something up or I'd turn on the radio and try to play along with it or put on up some of my favorite sheet music and play some of those songs or open a hymn book and play some songs, whatever. That was my way of relaxing. Well, this January of 1981, I was 33 years old, and I sat down at my piano that evening, and I played a song. Literally, Aaron, I sat down, and I just it started playing, and I played a song. It was not a song I knew or a song I had music in front of me. I, it was just it came to me as I was playing it. You've probably heard, maybe heard stories like that before of creativity kind of spontaneously happening, but that was how this happened. I sat down and I played this tune. It was beautiful. I loved the way the song sounded. It was just me and the piano, nobody else in the house. And, and apparently I played that tune many, many times after that. And one day my wife came home from work and Linda said, uh, Dave, what is the name of this song that I've got stuck in my head? I've been humming it all day long. And she hummed a little bit of it, and I said, Well, Linda, it doesn't have a name. It's just something I made up. And she said, Wow, you just made that up? I said, Yeah. Said, have you written it down? No, no, I've, I've got it. In my, I'm not going to forget it. It's, it's up there in my brain. And she said, Well, you better write it down. Something might happen to you, and I would never be able to remember that. So I did. I wrote it down, the, the notes and the chords, on a piece of paper, uh, very, just very simply. It's a very simple song in the key of C. And it didn't have, of course, didn't have a name. It's just a, a tune. We tried to think of a name for it. Eh, nothing, nothing ever fit. And then a couple of years later, in 1983, some friends of ours had a little baby girl, and they asked Linda and me to be her godparents. I said, okay. And so it was at her christening service. And Linda and I were sitting there in the in the uh, church with the family and the minister. It was just a private service. And up at the front of the church was this beautiful baby grand piano that had caught my eye as soon as I walked into the sanctuary. And at the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, Hey, 
what, what if I played this little song that we've been trying to think of a name for at, as part of the service? She said, that's a great idea. So I went up and I asked the family, of course, and the minister if it'd be okay if I sat down at the piano and played a song. They said, okay, of course. So I sat down and I played this tune. And as I got through the into the tune, and you know, I I, I kept hearing in the background <clears throat> in the sanctuary, I hear this <clears throat> people clearing their throat and you know, sniffles here and there, and I noticed even my eyes were getting a little bit moist. Highly emotional, you know, very very emotion packed service anyway. And so, by the time I finished playing the song, I looked over at little Rachel. Her name, the baby's name was Rachel. And so I looked over at little baby Rachel in the arms of her mother, and I said, from now on, this song that I just played will be called Rachel's Song in her honor. And Aaron, that's how it got its name, and it just stuck. It was a perfect fit. And that moment really, <laughs> little did I know at the time, but that was going to change my life forever. Now, without now, spoiling without too much of too your, much book, of your what book, what is your book is Touched, by the, touched by, by the Music About? It's about that song and, and, and my, my writing of it, the story I just told you. And then it's the story of the, the impacts that that song, when you unravel it through the future, as all the lives that that little song has touched, including mine, it went from just a tune that I'd made up on my piano that only I heard, my wife heard it, then we played it for friends, and then I played it at the christening. Three years later, I go to Nashville, Tennessee, and get a demo recording made of Rachel's song, just for fun. It wasn't, I had not planned to go and, you know, get a big hit recording made. It just, I, we wanted just something that we could give to the family that they could enjoy and that we could enjoy, professionally produced. So on my business trip to Nashville, I located a studio and a young studio session musician by the name of Gary Prim. I want you to remember that name, Gary Prim, P-R-I-M. Because and, Gary Prim and, and, and my life became intertwined forever after that point because Gary was the musician that I met in a studio to record the demo of the little tune that I had written called Rachel's Song. And the, the music that he arranged from my song and pre created in the studio was so spectacular that it, it just blew me away and every person I ever played it for, it blew them away. I got it played on the radio here in an FM station where I lived. And the radio station, it just went like wildfire. People could not hear it enough. They'd, they'd call the radio station. They, they were constantly calling about this song. And so the radio station manager called me and told me that I had something really special because he had never experienced anything like this in his whole 20-some years in the radio business. So I got busy, and I got it, record, got it played on radio stations all over the whole country. It's a long, and the story about that's in my book. Obviously, it takes a long while for that to happen, but my book include, includes the story of how I did that, getting it played on every easy listening station in the entire United States. Plus, I got it over in Australia, of all places, 
and it was the number one requested song in the country of Australia for two years. And so it's, it just took off. It just really took off. And then, obviously, when you have something recorded, people want to, want to buy a copy of it. Well, I had to learn how to be an entrepreneur and to make, you know, copies of my music to sell. Now, back then, <laughs> today, some of your folks won't even, listeners won't even know what we're talking about, but we, had, we used cassette tapes. We had cassette tapes for music. And then in the mid-'80s, CDs came around. And so we had compact discs. And so by 1988, I had written some more songs and gone back to Nashville with Gary Prim and created my first album of Rachel's song. So then I had something that I could actually sell to folks that wanted a, their own copy of Rachel's song. So I had CDs and cassette tapes. And now this is before the internet. We had no internet, no email. <laughs> that, everything was telephone and what we call snail mail, the United States Post Office. So that was the beginnings of my music business as a music entrepreneur. And that was, all those stories about that have I've accumulated over the years. Because as you can imagine, you know, that was what, 40-some years ago when I wrote Rachel's song. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things have happened in 40 years. And those stories, and I think most of them, I hope that your readers or your listeners will find them inspirational. I've, I've tried to write my book so that the reader can go right along with me. Like, for example, when I tell you about how it got something recorded, I want you to be right there in the studio room with me and kind of hear in your mind's eye exactly what I heard and that kind of thing. So I've tried my best to write my book in a very engaging way to where you go along this journey with me, my 40-plus year journey with my music. But the reason I wrote the book was that I had had feedback from so many people. I have gotten letters and notes, Aaron, from, now these are physical letters and notes, not emails, from over 50,000 people. If you could see my basement down here, well, I have boxes, these moving size boxes, by year, full of letters and notes. And these are not just little you know, cryptic notes. These are pour your heart and soul out kind of notes where some of them you better get your box of Kleenex out because they will tire at your heart and the tears will start flowing because this music, un, you know, I had no idea it would, but my music has literally touched deeply the lives of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. Uh, I'm going to uh, briefly apologize for a tornado siren that went off uh, during uh, your answer to my question. It was just a test of the tornado sirens that the uh, small town I live in in Illinois does uh, 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 once daily at midday. Oh, okay, no problem. Now, on the cover of Touched by the Music, you were featured standing next to a... I believe, I believe it's a, it's a piano. piano. It, might it might be an, an organ, organ, but I think it's, think a, it's piano. a piano. It's a grand piano. Steinway what? Grand. Okay, what, what make and model is the piano, piano featured on the cover? That is a Steinway, and it's exactly like my piano. It, the one that's on the cover is a photograph that I was using by permission of Steinway. But I have one just like it, and it's a Steinway Model B, which is, the, they have the... the Model C is the big nine-foot concert grand, 
and mine is the B, which is the next size down, which I think is like seven and a half, eight feet long or whatever. But uh, it's a wonderful, beautiful instrument. And I tell the story in my book about how that piano came about because the song, the, <laughs> the piano that I wrote Rachel's song on, believe it or not, was the brand and model was called Kanabe. K-N-A-B-E was the brand of that piano. And that piano, I looked up the serial number in a book, it was a hundred years old. It, that piano was made in 1875 in Baltimore, Maryland. And so that's the piano that I wrote Rachel's song on. And so many, many years later, it was like 1992, I think, when I finally purchased my own brand new Steinway Grand Piano, which I still have it. It's upstairs. I'm down in my studio downstairs at the moment, but upstairs is that Grand Piano, just like you see on the cover of my, my book. I love it. Now, now is your book, your book touched, touched by the by music, music self-published or, or traditionally published? It is self-published. I did, when I had all this, uh, I had, to, obviously, anybody that's writing a book, I think, usually starts with an accumulation of something that they want to put together in a book, either a pile, <laughs> a big old pile of stories or or something that they start with. Well, I had a, you know, just you know, tons and tons of stories that I wanted to put together. And and I, I like everybody else that goes to write a book. You know, you, you pursue, well, should I self-publish or do I try to pitch my, my story idea, my book idea to a publisher? Well, the, today's technology with publishing books is really different than it was years and years ago. Today, with Amazon.com, you can write your book you can create it in, even create it in Word, as far as that goes, just a word processor. You can get it formatted. You can print it as a PDF, get some, some very inexpensive help to design your cover and somebody to design the inside of it. And you can submit those files directly to KDP Publishing, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing at Amazon. Put the files there, as you probably know. And next thing you know, it, when I put sent my files of my final draft of my book to to Amazon on Tuesday, I thought, well, that'll be interesting. I sent them the PDFs and all the cover and all that stuff. Ordered my sample copy, you know, your test copies. I ordered like two two of each, two copies. Thursday morning, my doorbell rings and those books printed with just like the the final copy on my front porch that Tuesday, the Thursday morning, two days later. Print on demand. You order one book, they print one book. No more of this printing books 10,000 and have your garage full of boxes of your book. You can publish your book, as you well know, Aaron, and have it published immediately. And they, they print on demand. They're, in my case, they're printed right down here in Greenville, South Carolina, and printed, brought right to my door. And it's perfect copy. Perfect copy. Now, uh, as a as songwriter, did you just, you just write classical, classical or easy listening music, or were there some other genres you wrote? All of I have 15 albums of music, uh, four, and seven albums are of original music that I wrote, and my original compositions are what I would classify probably as just soothing, relaxing, instrumental, melodic. Uh, easy listening. I'm not sure what 
you know, category, how you want, adjectives you want to use, but it's very, mostly piano with some, perhaps some strings in the background, but it's, it's it, with no percussion, it's just the instrumentation. So that's the genre of the music that I wrote. So seven of the albums that I have are of my original music that I wrote, the melodies and the chords and so forth. Gary Prim is the artist that I would send the, the, the lead sheet of the music to. We would meet in the studio about one week every year and record a new album of 14, 15, 16, 17 of my new, so new songs that I'd written. And Gary, is, he, he would perform it on the piano first, and then he would think, well, let's, we need some, need some strings. So we'd take the synthesizer and add some strings and some other instrumentation if necessary. Quite often, we'd sit in the, in the control room after Gary would play a song, and, and he'd finish, and we'd say, man, that song doesn't need one additional thing. It is a perfect piano solo. Leave it alone. It is beautiful. So... Uh, both, so most of my music is very soothing and relaxing. It's not very, it's not busy. It's not loud. It's uh, just very soothing and relaxing. And I think when you, when you listen to some of it, especially you start listening with Rachel's song, and all the songs following Rachel's song are kind of in that same, same uh, feel as, as Rachel's song is. Now, what was the hardest part of your transition from being a songwriter to writing uh, a, uh, a book uh, of words? Well, I'm glad you asked that because that is a, a, a fun subject to talk about because obviously it is a, a, a big leap from just being a songwriter and a, you know, telling a few stories around dinner table, that kind of thing, about your music to going ahead and writing a book about it. I actually, you know, need, I, of course, needed some, some help, and, I, and that's the advice that I give anybody, is don't try to do things all by yourself. There are tons of people who are qualified and trained that will assist you with your writing process. There are, uh, of, of all sizes and flavor, you can play it, you can pay as little or as much money as you want to get the help doing it, but there are people, and I had some people uh, uh, that helped helped me with the the writing and the the com composition, the discussions about whether to do self-publish or or seek a publisher, that kind of thing. Uh, I used a fellow, a young man by the name of Steve Harrison. You may or may not know of Steve Harrison, but he has a group of people who that's their whole reason for being, is to help people write and publish their own books. And so I, I, I signed up with Steve and spent like a year, maybe a year and a half with Steve and his team, and they were immensely helpful in helping guide me through that process of not only writing it, but then you know finding an editor. I actually ended up uh, with two editors that helped me with the book. But uh, it is a, it's a process where you need a team. When you're writing your book, you need a good team around you that's going to guide you and give you good advice about the writing process and then about the publishing part, process as well. Now, uh, you've been in the music business for decades, and uh, how has the change from uh, various physical forms of music media like cassette tapes and compact discs to uh, online streaming of music changed your music business? 
Well, I would say this. If I had to start over today with my music that I'd written and try to make a living making, selling my music that I had written today, I probably could not, have, could not succeed because they have removed from us musicians the physical product that we used to sell. We used to sell cassette tapes. We used to sell CDs. Today, you can't even buy a car that has a CD player in it. And quite often when I ask a young person that I just meet, and I say, do you have a CD player? No, we don't even have a CD player. And so, you know, what am I going to do? You know, what is a musician today going to do to basically monetize their music? They don't have a product that they can say, well, here you have, you know, for $5 or $10, pay me this, and here's your product, you can play my music. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, you can say, well, you can go on uh, Spotify or iHeartRadio or Pandora or whatever and, and, and stream my, my music, but the streaming of music business model is so stilted toward the, the companies that run the, uh, the system, the Spotify's and the, and the iHeartRadio's and the Pandora's, the musicians themselves get hardly anything. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, if for, one, for me to get one penny of royalty, I have to have my song, one of my songs, streamed five times. So my music, let's say it's a three-minute song, my music's got to be played for 15 minutes on somebody's system somewhere for me to get one penny of royalty. Now, that, that I'm, it's, it's a, I'm not sure what the solution to this is, but I am not happy with the business model of the current music business at all. You know, not all of us are touring musicians that have, you know, concert gigs that, where we have 10,000 people show up to hear us play or perform our music. There are a lot of musicians that, you know, they're like me. They write music. They can write songs. They can record songs. But if you don't have out, out in a big public place where you're charging, charging admission to hear you play, uh, the, the number of ways that you can monetize your music has been severely limited. So uh, I'm glad you asked that question, but it's, uh, it's, it's really a tough, tough business to make a go of these days. And that's a shame because you, we don't want to discourage the musicians of the world from creating beautiful music. I mean, where would we be without all this wonderful music that's created every year? And so we need to find a way to encourage our young people to be able to create music and at least make some money from it somehow. I'm, it's just a tough, very tough business model at the moment. Yeah, and you yeah, talk about how, how very little, little uh, musicians get paid in royalties for every uh, time their song is streamed online. Whereas uh, even in the even in the ebook format for books, if you get like a few people to to buy it, you can make a few bucks in royalties. Yes, yes, and in the in the book selling business, you know, as as it's very analogous to the music business because even even though today we still have the hard copy paperback book that and and even some hard hardback books that 
still sell. Maybe not as many as they used to, and we still have ability to sell an ebook so that somebody that has a Kindle or some kind of a book reader, they can buy an e-book -cop e copy of a book. And I have my, my books available both as a, you know, a paperback and a Kindle and also an, an audio, audible book. I, I spent about 30 hours recording my, my book, so you can listen to me read it to you on Audible if you want. So the, those sales and royalties from that are, are, are decent, but you still have to have a lot of volume, and the volume comes, of course, from the popularity of your book. How many people have heard about it and want to read it? And I have been using platforms just like this, uh, Aaron, on podcasts. I've been on about 150 or so podcasts over the last year and talking about my music and my book and hoping to you know, spread the word and encourage somebody to go and maybe perhaps buy a copy or listen to a, a copy of my book and, and as well with my music. So, but they can always go to my website as, as it's very easy, combsmusic.com, and I've got my music, my book, and actually there's a link on my website. You click on that and you'll hear Rachel's song exactly as it was originally recorded, unedited, the original recording, and it's absolutely free. But that's at combsmusic.com. But my book, my book there, there's a link to take you right to Amazon. You can go either check it out on Amazon. You can go with my, my CD, my Rachel Song CDs right there. You can check it out and stream it, buy it, whatever you, can, whatever you want to do. But uh, that's, uh, that's where I am right now. And fortunately, I'm at the point in my life where I came through the music business back in the 80s and 90s when cassette tapes and CDs were a big deal. And I sold cassette tapes and CDs by the pallet load, by the truck load, so that uh, I did okay. <laughs> but the world has changed dramatically. Well, Dave, that was uh, my final question. I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast, and you are a great oral storyteller. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's always fun to, to talk about your, the fun things in your life, and I, I enjoy talking to people, and it's, I appreciate you having me on today, and uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. I apologize for the tornado siren test you might have heard during the interview. The tornado siren in my hometown is tested daily at noon, and fortunately, there was no tornado threat for my area at any point during the interview. Dave was a fantastic guest for this podcast, and he is the best oral storyteller I've had the opportunity to interview for this podcast so far. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at AuthorAAC and on Instagram at AACScribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.